0: following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. John John 13, and let's begin in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour was come, that He should depart out of this world unto the Father... Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And afterward he poured forth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith to him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Again, we're talking about Christ and washing the disciples' feet. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you again for this opportunity to gather in thy name, and Father, around thy word, and Lord, we're uh, uh, praying for thy presence to be here. And working in our hearts, Lord, help me to deliver thy word. And Father, help uh, those who are here, including myself, other to hear uh, the words that you have for us. And God, help us to be doers of the word, I pray. Bless now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, uh, Christ and uh, <clears throat> washing his disciples' feet. Now, last week we talked about uh, the uh, <clears throat> Christ's concern prior to the feast of the Passover and the institution of the Lord's Supper, verses 1 through 3. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end, and supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he was come from God and went to God. So we're talking about if you will, the fact that Jesus uh, had, there were some things that He was concerned about prior to beginning to wash the disciples' feet, and that was, if you will, uh, the fact that He knew uh, that He was on His way home to heaven, as we find in verse 1. It says here, uh, when Jesus knew that His hour was come, that He should depart out of this world unto the Father. He knew in advance because He is God in the flesh, He knows the end from the beginning. Verse 3, here in verse 3, it says that he was come from God and went to God. He was going home, if you will, to heaven by the way of the cross. In Matthew 26, if you look there with me, Matthew 26 and verse 1. Matthew 26 and 1. And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all those sayings, he said unto his disciples, You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled the chief priests and scribes and, and elders of the people under the place of uh, the high priest who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety, and kill him but not on the feast day they, but they said not on the feast day lest there be an uproar among the people so we know that the lord is going home uh, by the way of the cross he's going to be betrayed into the hands of men in john 12 and 23. john 12 and 23 he knew this understood it. it was a part of god the father's plan and will for his life even as uh, god has a cross for us to bear so the lord himself had a cross to bear for his Father and for us. In John 12 and 23, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. So he knew it, he understood it. And in John 14 and 1, John 14 and 1. Again, here Christ says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me is going home to heaven by the way of the cross. He knows. It's coming. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, if it were possible, let the cu- this cup, and that was the cup of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, pass from him. But we know that there was no other way. Christ had to go that way, home, so that you and I would have the opportunity of having a home in heaven. then in John 13 and 1 again, we talked about <clears throat> the second thing. Here, being that uh, Jesus loved uh, his own unto the end in verse uh, 1. Look at the latter part of verse 1. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. It was a love greater than the love he had extended to them in salvation. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, it's more of a family love now. Once we're saved by the grace of God, <clears throat> we are loved of God as one of His own children. Even as a parent, and most parents do this, they love their children, if you will until they die and you know it's a sad thing when a when a parent has to outlive a child that's got to be one of the most heartbreaking things that a parent may ever have to deal with in first john three and one uh, john the apostle whom is termed and he called, referred to himself as the apostle whom jesus loved said he said this behold what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of god therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not beloved now are we the sons of god and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure but what behold what manner of love and it was a an amazing thing to the apostle john to be fit to have a sense of being loved by God, and you know he, you know, he stop and think about it. the apostle John, when he before he was saved by the grace of God, was a rough, crude fisherman. Now, who would have imagined that a man like that, having come out of a- pro- probably pretty rough background, uh, valued so much the love of God in Christ Jesus, valued it so much and uh, and uh, he he was one that would lean upon. Uh, the Lord uh, Jesus Christ breast at at supper. He had a closeness and he felt the love of God. And there was no immoral behavior going on, but rather a a sense of being loved by God. And folks, that is so important in the life of every human being. It's been said that one of the greatest desires that everyone who's ever lived probably has is a desire and a need to be loved. And sometimes uh, there are men who take advantage of a young woman because she desires to be loved and will do things to her that should not be done until marriage, until he's proved his love by being willing to join together in the the covenant relationship of marriage. And let me say this, young ladies, do not, do not, do not allow a young man to come to you and say, I love you, and so because I've said I love you, you need to do whatever I want you to do, including immoral behavior, things that only belong in the marriage relationship. And so it it should be for men also. Amen. You know, sometimes we act as if young men, oh, well, that's just the way guys are. Wrong. Morality is for men and women, young men and young women. And don't let this idea of uh, saying words like I love you being, uh, be a, become a, 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 an excuse for allowing yourselves to be used and uh, taken advantage of. Let me tell you something. You, you know what, folks? If you're a virgin, when you, as you're heading toward marriage, you ought to value that because once you've lost your virginity, you've lost something that you can never recover. Now, you know, the world today, I I don't know why I'm on this, but I'm going to tell you something. The world at large today doesn't value a virginity going into a marriage relationship like they used to. And I'm going to tell you something. Many a tear has been shed by young people who've gone ahead and uh, uh, violated the command, clear command of God not to be involved in fornication. Many a tear has been shed because of it. And it's something that's lost that cannot be reclaimed. So listen, value it. If you're, if you're a virgin, young lady, or young man, stay a virgin until you're married. Amen. So Well, I don't like that. Well, it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. God said it. And you know, His way is perfect. His way of doing things is the right way. Amen? it is the right way love is important but i'm going to tell you something the love of god the love that god has for us will never cause us to do evil never he will always uh, have our good in mind in romans 8 romans 8 and verse 35 who shall separate us shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, it's a valuable thing. And Christ, the Bible says, said to his disciples and is said of him concerning his disciples, his brethren, if you will, that he loved them unto the end. And John 13 and 34. John 13 and 34. A new commandment. John 13 and 34, a New commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. It's important that, yes, Christ loved us, we ought to love one another. But then this morning in John 13 again, uh, looking on, <clears throat> looking a little further into the chapter in verse 4, the Bible says, He riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poureth uh, water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? You know, Peter was a little astonished. Now this was, again, the Lord is not uh, striving to institute another ordinance to be practiced in the church. There is no ordinance and command of Scripture Uh, that we wash one another's feet, and I am so happy that that is the case. Now, I'm sure that most who've come to church have taken a shower, we would hope, used a little soap, amen, that's great. But I'm thankful we don't, and and this was a customary practice for people to come to someone's home, and they would make themselves servants to the visitor, and they would wash their feet because they wore sandals and they would wash their feet and help them to come in, and things would be clean and what have you. It was customary, not commanded by the Lord. The Lord is not commanding that we observe foot washing. Now you say, well, I know some churches that do it. Whatever. If they want to do it, fine. Let them do it. I'm not necessarily here to criticize the practice of foot washing. I'm just thankful that we don't have a command (laughs) to do it. Amen. But we see here Christ takes takes upon himself the form of a servant as an example. He is trying to teach his disciples something important. Uh, the Lord's Supper has now been instituted, instituted, and now ended. Look with me to Luke twenty-two. Luke twenty-two. It's interesting that it, as the Lord is observing his final Passover with his disciples, he's also making a change to it. Luke 22 and 7, and it's interesting that, that later on the apostles were accused as being those who, had co- who were coming along seeking to change the customs of the Jewish faith. Well, Christ is already making a change here, and uh, when they sought to make a big deal out of the Sabbath day, the lord observed the sabbath day but he began to move them away from this idea of worshiping on the sabbath day but rather than our worship is now moved from the uh the the seventh day or the yeah the seventh day being the sabbath day uh to the first day of the week being sunday but in luke 22 and 7 luke 22 and 7 then came the day of the unleavened bread when the passover must be killed and he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover, that we may eat. And, when, uh, and they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entering into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say to the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished there make ready." And they went and found, as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. <clears throat> and when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto them, With desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer again. He knows he's about to go to be uh, unjustly judged and beaten and then crucified. He said, For I say unto you, I will not e- uh, any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took the cup, And gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. Now there's a little bit of a change here going on. He's emphasizing something here that uh, needed to be emphasized. In one sense, Christ was going to fulfill the prophetic part of the Passover feast instituted in Exodus chapter 12. There was a prophecy, uh, in a sense, concerning Christ. He would fulfill it. And as he's fulfilling it, he is making a change to it. And making it a different kind of observance. Verse 18, For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament and my blood which is shed for you. So there's a change going on. And... (coughs) This same observance is what Christ is dealing with in John 13. This supper is the the observance that Christ is dealing with and making a change to. It's ended, and as it is ended, then he is, if you will, uh, taking a different, uh, uh, making a different application in John 13 again in verse 12. John 13 in verse 12, he is uh, beginning, uh, he's he's changed it to the Lord's Supper. They've had the supper afterward in, <clears throat> in uh, verse 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye not what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord? And you say, Well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet... You ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Now again, he's not he's not saying we need to observe this, uh, this as an ordinance. There are two ordinances in the lo- local church, if you will, scriptural baptism that makes you a member of the local church, After you're saved by the grace of God, you're scripturally baptized by the authority of the Baptist Church. You become a member of that church. And then the only other ordinance is the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, which is a memorial service and done as often as you choose to do it in a local church. There's no set amount of times, but it's to be observed as a memorial for what Christ has done. But what Christ is doing is giving them an example Giving them an example as being their master, and he said it <clears throat> in verse thirteen, you call me master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. if I then be your Lord and master I have washed your feet, ye also ought to, to wash one another's feet for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done here's the master, the leader, and what we see in a, in one sense is the the uh, exercise of uh, Uh, servant leadership in the sense that here the leader the master is serving those that he's in leadership over and uh, he gives the great example as being the master he is God serving his people and what a blessing that he gave this example an example that we should look to in Matthew 20 Matthew chapter 20 the Lord Jesus Christ expresses this in Matthew 20 and verses 20 to 28. Here you know, The Bible says, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshipping him and desiring a certain thing of him. This is uh, James and John's mom. And she's come, you know, as a, as a mom, oftentimes wants, you know what, wants the best place for her, for her children. It's not necessarily a, a, the right thing in this instance, but, you know, the Lord ne- doesn't necessarily rebuke her for it, but he's going to correct some things here in the thinking. In verse 21, and he said unto her, what wilt thou? And she saith unto him, grant that these my two sons may sit the one <clears throat> on thy right hand, the other on the left, and thy kingdom. Those were places of honor and respect even as the lord jesus christ when he ascended into heaven even now sits at the right hand of the father and he is in a place of honor highest honor verse 22 but jesus answered and said you know not what ye ask are ye able to drink of the cup that i shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that i am baptized with they said him we are able And he said unto them, "Ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. And he's not talking about immersion. He's talking about the baptism of fire and uh, service, fiery uh, persecution and service for the Lord. He says, But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. And, you know, folks, we need to allow the Lord to exalt us, not exalt ourselves. He goes on to address it even further. When the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren, not as if they never thought of it themselves. But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them, but it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister." And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man came not to be, to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, it's not to say that there aren't positions of leadership within the local church, but the position of leadership is not to be a dictatorial type of thing where the man rules with a rod of iron as a pastor or whatever the, uh, the, the leader may be. Uh, They're given authority for leadership for good uh, as a pastor to be a shepherd of God's flock or to be a steward of what belongs to the Lord. You know, a pastor doesn't own the church. The, the, The church is not the pastor's. It belongs to Christ. He is the head of the church, not the pastor. The pastor is the steward, the shepherd of what belongs to Christ, the flock of Christ, and he is to be a servant and a minister unto them. Now, does that mean that he is not to be treated with respect? No. You know, as much as I don't like <clears throat> our president, if he were to walk into this room today, we would have to treat him with the respect due his office. And that might be difficult. But there is a respect due the office Whether you like the man in the office. Amen. And so he's not saying that there isn't supposed to be a proper respect given to that office. As a matter of fact, if you look with me to Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13. The Bible says here in verse 17, Obey them. Now this, is, this is some <laughs> difficult wording for some. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is, not, is unprofitable for you. There's a point where a pastor has authority and in dealing with uh, certain kinds of matters within the local church, he has the leadership and authority over the flock, and if someone is involved with uh, causing discord or is involved in immoral behavior that threatens the testimony of the local church or what have you, the Lord Lord has given authority to the pastor to go and deal with the matter if he can one-on-one, and if it, it, it can be dealt with, we deal with it, otherwise if it's necessary you know if the person continues in that kind of behavior it may become a matter that we bring before the church and then we as a church together will make judgment concerning uh, that member and again it's not for the sake of destroying those folk but if you will to recover them and help them to be if you will uh, uh restored to the faith and a proper relationship with the lord but folks someone has to have the authority And in this church, I've been given the authority by the local church to be the pastor and leader of this church. And there is leadership. There is authority here. And we're to give it. And so Christ isn't talking about that, but in Matthew 20, look back. Matthew 20, those that are in leadership have a responsibility concerning those that they lead. It says here... In verse 25, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. We see that in some communist countries and what have you. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom. For many, we're talking about the example of service and serving one another. Philippians 2, Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, Philippians chapter 2, and looking at verse 5. <clears throat> Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of the Father. You know, to God be the glory, great things he has done. And folks, he's given us a great example in the Lord Jesus Christ. Concerning, if you will, being a servant uh, to the the, uh, the church, if you will, Matthew twenty three, Matthew twenty three and one, <clears throat> Matthew twenty three and one, <clears throat> and Christ addresses the religious leadership of his day and his teaching. His disciples and the multitude, in Matthew 23 and 1, then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and and uh, Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, and it's a seat of authority. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not after, uh, ye after their works, for they say and do not. He's talking about their hypocrisy. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do, for to be seen of men, they make broad their phylacteries, enlarge the borders of their garments. He's talking about how they're, if you will, loving the the fact that they're in authority and that men have to bow to that authority, even if their authority is even somewhat cruel. Now, the Lord is not saying that they have to bow to cruelty, but uh, to bow to authority if it's done in the right manner he says here uh, in verse 6, "...and love the uppermost rooms at feast, and chief, the chief seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the markets, and to be called of men Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your Master, even Christ, and all your brethren. And, no man, and call no man your Father upon the earth, for one is your Father which is in heaven, neither be ye called Masters, for one is your Master, even Christ." But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So there is a, a mindset, there is a heart behind the idea of servant leadership, and that is the heart of humility, that God may have given that uh, leader uh, a position of authority, but not to be abused and not to abuse people, but to serve them in the capacity god's given them in acts chapter six acts chapter six <clears throat> we'll begin in verse one acts six and one <clears throat> acts six and one in those days when the mem- number of the disciples was multiplied that means they were growing rapidly the number in the church in Jerusalem, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now what what he's saying is that they had been serving, doing menial tasks, serving members of the church all over the place, and they were very busy with it to the point they were neglecting one of their chief and most important services to the local church, and that was prayer and the ministry of the Word. He says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom may may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the world. Now, you know what an amazing thing that God had to have spiritual people to do the menial tasks. Sometimes we imagine, well, you know what? I mean, I'm a member of the church and I'm spiritual. I should be allowed to do some exalted and great things for God in the church. Okay, how about cleaning the bathroom? How about cleaning the bathrooms? How about vacuuming? How about dusting? How about uh, uh, watering the plants? How about those tasks? Is that somehow beneath us? Now, I'm not saying that I think that there's a problem with that kind of a spirit. But folks, when we imagine, when we imagine that we're too good and we're above those kinds of tasks, something's wrong with our spirit. Amen? We need to be willing to do what the Lord was willing to do. He laid aside His garment. He he laid aside His his uh, his coat his, that was woven from top to bottom, I mean, something that couldn't be rent or what have you, he took it, laid it aside, and he made himself a servant to his brethren. He said, I'm willing to do the least of these kinds of things. You know, the Bible says, he that is not faithful in that which is least is not faithful in that which is much. You know, sometimes we don't think that it's important That if we've been given a duty and responsibility, that we don't have to show up and do it. Listen, if you're on the list to sing and and what have you, if you're sick, that's one thing. But, you know, if if you're going to serve in a particular capacity, be prepared. When you come, be practiced, be ready, be faithful, be on time. Amen? Because it's important. You know... It's amazing sometimes to me how people will go to great lengths to be to work on time, to do a good job. And, and, you know, when we talk about serving God, we ought to do our best on our job, do our best. The Bible says whatever we do, whether it be eat or drink, do all to the glory of God, do our best. But then when it comes to doing something down to the house of God, doing something for the Lord in the church, you know what we do? We settle for being a doof We settle for being late, not being prepared, and you know, folks, the things we do down the house of God, even the smallest of things, are just as important as anything else we do. Amen? And you know what, folks, being in church, you know, let me say this, sometimes, folks, people look for almost any excuse not to be in the house of God. The Bible says we're commanded not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner of some is. And you know what? I understand lately is so many people have been sick. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there are times when people could be faithful in the house of God. And you know, folks, that's a basic thing. In one sense, it's a part of our service to the Lord to be here. Do you know why? Because if you're not here, somebody is, it might get discouraged by the fact that, what happened to so and so? And especially when it, becomes the, when it becomes a pattern of behavior. People get discouraged. They say, well, man, am I the only one that's going to be faithful to the Lord to come to church? And they may begin to say, well, if they don't care, why should I? That's the wrong attitude, period. But what are we talking about? We're talking about serving the Lord. We're talking about being faithful. And we're talking about being faithful sometimes in the simple. What about reading your Bible? You know, no one, the preacher's not there saying, okay, read your Bible. I can't, you know, I can't run around and dog your trail and make sure that you do everything you're supposed to do. It's between you and the Lord. But does it mean something to us to to serve or take our responsibility? If you will, look with me to 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11 I look at verses seven through nine, Second Corinthians eleven, verses seven through nine. Having, uh, having, uh, have I committed an offense in abasing myself, that she might be exalted? Because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely, I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you, and wanted, I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking it to me. The brethren which came from Macedonia supplied, and in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. Now this is uh, sad because the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. They are questioning his apostleship. They are critical of everything that he's doing. And he's saying to them, listen, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we won't read the whole chapter, but you look back to that chapter, Paul reminds them that you know he had the authority not to work and to be required that the the church there take care of them and pay them and, and what have you because they were serving the Lord in the Old Testament the levites were were uh, did not have a portion did not have an inher- inheritance the Lord was their inheritance, and you know they were to eat of the sacrifices and partake of the offerings given to help, uh, help them to be able to be taken care of so that they could serve the Lord themselves. Now here Paul is saying, I robbed other churches. Now he's talking about those that are willing to give to support his ministry in the Lord's church. Come on in. I'm finishing up Sunday school here. But, uh, you know, the problem was their attitude and their spirit. They were not willing to help. In Acts 20... Acts 20, but Paul was willing to put up with it anyway. Acts 20, and look at verse 33 to 35. Paul, speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus, said this, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me, and I have showed you all uh, things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak to remember the words of the Lord Jesus how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive and so we see if you will the heart of a servant when Christ uh, took it, took himself and and washed the disciples feet it was to give them an example of what it was to be a servant leader and uh, he did so he was an example of that and and the Lord would have us to be willing to serve one another. But we'll continue this next week. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.